Well, today we are here in week two of our mini-series called Be, Do, where we're talking about who we're going to be in 2024 and what we're going to do in 2024. And as individuals and as a church, last week I challenged us that this year we are called to be people of the word and prayer, people of community, people of healing, people of integrity, people of focus, people who love like Jesus, and people who are faithful to Jesus and fruitful for Jesus. And then I challenged us as we closed with one more thing, that if we'll be consistent with those things, they'll move from good ideas to things that actually transform our lives. And we'll do even more than that. If we'll be consistent in being those kinds of people, we'll see our families and our cities and our world change because of what God does in us and what God does through us. So that's who we're going to be. And today I want to talk about what we're going to do in 24. And I don't know about you, but in 2024, I know that I'm going to do a lot of things and I know you're going to do a lot of things just by the nature of life and the nature of family and the nature of the way things kind of go. Um, I know you're going to do a lot of things in 2024. Let me give you a few examples. You're going to eat some food this year. Whoa, shocking revelation, right? Like I feel pretty confident in saying that by nature of existing, you're going to eat some food. Now, you might have to work to eat healthier food, but you're going to eat some food this year. No matter what your life looks like this year, I feel pretty confident saying you're going to eat some food this year. Let me give you another one. You're going to sleep this year. Yeah. Again, I feel pretty confident in saying that. Like some of you, you might sleep more or less than others, but chances are all of us are going to sleep. Like if you're the mom of a newborn, chances are you're going to get a little bit less than less sleep than me who has a four and a six-year-old, and we and, and, and we get less sleep than those who have teenagers or maybe more. I don't know. Like, but like, like, like some of us are going to sleep more or less than others, but chances are all of us are going to sleep, and you might need to do some work to improve the quality of your sleep, but again, by nature, you're going to sleep this year. Let me give you another one. You're going to talk to people this year. Might be a number of different situations and reasons and purposes behind your conversations, but each of us as human beings, we're going to talk to a number of different people here in 2024. Again, you may need to work on how you talk to people. You may need to work on making social interactions less awkward, but you're going to talk to people this year. Let me give you another one. You're going to read this year. Again, you, now you may argue that you're not going to read this year because you don't like reading books, but I know you're going to read this year because you're going to read Road Sounds while you're driving. You're going to read text messages on your phone. You're going to read important and unimportant memos at work. And it may be all of the reading that you do, but you're going to read captions on TikTok and Instagram videos. You are going to read this year. Again, you might not, you might need to work on, you know, the, uh, to read things that actually grow your mind and grow your faith, but you're going to read. If you're in school, you're going to take tests and you're going to write papers. If you're single, you're going to fall in love with your year. The other person may or may not know it, but but you're going to, as Drake would say, you're going to be in your feelings at some point this year. If you're married, you're going to argue with your spouse. You know, like no one's going to have to tell you or remind you to do that. You'll figure it out all on your own. It's going to happen pretty automatically. If you're in the workplace, you're going to go to work. You're going to make sales calls. You're going to meet with clients. You're going to teach. Okay. If you're a parent, you're going to take care of your children. And here's what's really kind of funny about that. A lot of what you're going to do and a lot of what I'm going to do, we, we, we do without even really thinking about it. Right. Like I said, no one's going to have to remind you to eat or sleep. You don't have to set a resolution to develop romantic feelings. You you might need to do a resolution to stop developing them for red flag people, but you don't have to set a re resolution to like 
have romantic feelings. You won't have to be reminded to take care of your children. You won't have to be reminded to read a road sign. And no one will have to tell you to talk, although someone might need to tell you to stop, okay? The truth of life is that there's a lot of life that you will do automatically. There's a lot of life that you will do without having to be reminded, without having to set a resolution, without having to really put a whole lot of thought into it. There's a lot of life that you will do that doesn't really require any sort of work because it just kind of happens automatically. It happens naturally. It happens by nature. It happens just simply because we exist. These are the things that we're going to do. There's a lot of life that you will do automatically. But the second truth is simply this. The most important things in life you must do intentionally. The things that matter most, you must do intentionally. And intentionally meaning you actually put intentionality, you put work in, you put thought in, you take great care to do these things and not just do them, but do them correctly. Like I said about talking, you may, you may need, you, like you're going to talk automatically, but if you're going to have the right conversations with the right people at the right place at the right time, if you're going to have some difficult, awkward conversations that need to happen, but you've been afraid to have happen, it's going to take some intentionality to make it happen the right way. If you again, you're you're going to read something this year, but if you're going to read the right things, it takes intentionality. You're going to eat, but if you're going to eat the right things, it takes intentionality. If you're going to be a parent, you're going to be a parent who takes care of your children. You're going to do that automatically. If you take care to to do to do it correctly, it takes intentionality. The most important things that we do, you must do intentionally. The most life-changing and world-changing things all require a level of intentionality. And today, I want to make sure we do intentionally the most important thing we can do this year. The most important thing that actually I believe exists in the entirety of the world. I want to make sure we do it right. We do intentionally this most important thing. And so today, I'm going to talk about the most important thing that you and I can do in 2024. And then I'm going to give you four habits that will help ensure that each of us does that thing this year. Now there's this incredible passage to talk about what that most important thing is. There's this incredible passage in Ephesians chapter 4 where Paul is explaining and unpacking to this relatively new church in Ephesus how to do church and how to be the church. Again, Paul spent a lot of time in Ephesus. Paul preached the gospel in Ephesus, a church formed. Paul spent about a year and a half, maybe two and a half, maybe even three and a half years in the city of Ephesus. Is one of the places that he actually spent the most amount of time. He pastored this church for a while. And then when he moved on to preach the gospel in other places, he left behind people who would lead the church, people who would pastor the church, people who would care for and guide the church. And then he wrote letters back to them to let them know what their responsibility was as leaders of the church and as the church itself. In Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse 11, Paul starts to unpack this. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. And what that tells us is something important, and this is a reminder to myself. I hope it's a reminder to our whole church, but that leadership is a gift to the church. Leadership is a gift to the church. That whenever we have good, strong leaders within the church, whenever we have leaders of integrity, when you have leaders who, who, who do things the right way, whenever we have leaders who lead with diligence, leadership is a gift 
to the church. Paul says leaders, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, people who, who go and share the gospel, people who, who prophetically speak into the future and into the lives of people, people who pastor, people who teach the word of God faithfully. These are a gift to the church because leadership is a gift to the church. Now he says this, he says it's, it's not just a gift and it's not an entitlement. He says lead, their responsibility, these, these leaders who are gifts to the church, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So he says, here's the responsibility. It's not just, it's, it's not an entitlement, but it's a vital responsibility. He says they have a responsibility. Leaders are not just a gift and they, and they get to take advantage, but leaders have a vital responsibility. They have the responsibility for building up the church so that the church can do his work and build up the like like this is like their job is to do God's work on the earth and build up the church which is the body of Christ this is the vital responsibility of leadership within the church is their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. Leadership is not a is not an entitlement. Leadership is about work. My job, this is a reminder to me, this is a reminder to our staff. This is a reminder that leadership, it's a gift to the church, but it's not a gift to us. We are supposed to be a gift to the church because we do our work with all diligence. We do the work to do God's work here on the earth and to build up the church, to develop the church, to build the maturity of the church, to disciple the church, to lead a church to know and follow Jesus, to lead a church to discover their gifts, to lead a church to know how they're, how they're gifted and what their purpose in life is, to know what it looks like to follow Jesus with, every, with all due diligence and with all of, their, all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the job of a pastor. That's, that's my job. That I, that I don't have an entitlement. I have a vital responsibility. I, that I, as a pastor, I'm a gift to the church. You might want to say, Chris, Chris is a gift. Like, you don't need to say that. But like, that, 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 I, that I, God has placed me within Movement Church for the vital responsibility of building up the church and doing the work of God. And if you're like, well, what a weird way to start this message. I'm just telling you, this is the start, but this isn't where Paul landed. Paul then took a turn here and verse in verse 13 to let us know that while that's where the church was supposed to start, that's not the end game of the church, that the, that the pastor is just a gift and they have the, and they work 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 and they build the body and they build the body and they build the body and they build the body. In verse 13, he says this, this will continue until, now wherever you are, would you say or would you type in the chat the word until on the count of three, ready? One, two, three until, meaning this arrangement where God gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until, meaning this is a temporary arrangement. This is That, that arrangement where the pastors are, are responsible for building up the church, that's a temporary arrangement. This will continue until, until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Again, that word, until, it's really interesting. It means there's a temporary arrangement of complete responsibility, where leaders are completely responsible for the work and the building up of the church until the leader's responsibility is to lead people to a place of maturity and then call them and lead them to use that maturity for a purpose. 
Meaning at the beginning of a work, there's a full responsibility that's all about the pastor. It's all about the leaders. It's all about the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastor, teachers, doing all of the work to bring people to a place of maturity. And then when people have begun to reach a place of maturity, we call them to unleash their gifts and their talents and use that maturity, never growing to a complete you know, version of faith, uh, a, complete mature, a complete maturity, but to use whatever maturity and whatever gifting, whatever talent God has given them for them to continue building up the church. And so then it's for a while, it's the pastors building up the church. And I understand this as a planter, like, like man, like, like I read this verse, I'm like, oh, I get that. Like, as a, past, as, as a planter of a church, as the beginner of a church, as, as, a, as in, in the business world, as an entrepreneur of a church, to start a church, there's a, a time and a season of complete responsibility where, where, where so much of it rests on, on me and my family and a small, small, small team of people. And what I understand is now eight years in, We've come to a place where there's some maturity that's developed, and my job is no longer to be complete to be completely responsible for the building up the, of the church, but to build up people who will continue to build up the church. Paul went on to say this in verse 14. Then, then meaning when we've become mature, here's what we're called to. He says, then we will be we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every kind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. He's saying, this is what the church looks like, not what the pastors look like, but what the church looks like, that the church can't be tossed around. The church can't be easily deceived. The church speaks truth in love. We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Here's what Paul is saying. Leadership is responsible to build the church. And as the church becomes more mature, the people of the church are responsible to build the church. Again, let me, let me just try again in case, in case we're missing this. Leadership is responsible to build the church. And as the church grows in maturity... The people of the church who are growing in maturity are called to be responsible to turn around and continue to work with leadership to build the church. And here's why I think that's so important for us to understand as we start 2024, as we, as we move into a new year. And I know, you know at this point, you're like, we're already into the new year, not moving into the new year. But we're still at the beginning of a new year, looking into the new year, making sure we get our hearts and our minds aligned at the beginning of a new year. Here's why this is so important for us to understand. This is a truth that has just guides my life and I like I lean my entirety of life in the direction of this truth that the church is the hope of the world the church is the hope of the world that the church is the body of Christ to still 2,000 years after Jesus returned to heaven, that the church is the local expression of wherever you find yourself, wherever we find ourselves, that the church is the local expression of Jesus to a world that never got to see him in the flesh, that the church 
Is God's plan A until Jesus comes back and there is no plan B? That the church is God's tool to meet the needs of a lost and dying world and introduce people to the love of God through Jesus Christ. The church is God's family that welcomes one another, cares for one another, is patient with one another, and grows one another in faith and life and in maturity. That the church is salt and light to the world. Salt to preserve everything good in the world and salt to bring bring out of out all the good that still exists in the hearts of people when they connect with their heavenly father. And we're light to shine the way home for people who have lost their way. And here's what I know after being a part of the church my entire life and spending the last 20 years in pastoral ministry, the church is important. The church is the hope of the world. Period. The church is the hope of the world. Every individual local church and the global church is incredibly vitally important because the church is the hope of the world. More good things happen in the church by accident than happen in the rest of the world by all intentionality. But these good things that happen by accident only happen because someone was intentional to create places and spaces and groups and environments that make sure good things happen. Like, like, I believe with my whole heart that the church is the most important thing, the most important organization, the most important organism that exists in the entire world. It's why I've given my life to building it and serving it and growing it. But as we said at the beginning, the most important things in life, they don't grow or build or happen by accident or, with, or, or without thought or without intention. The most important things in life only happen through intentionality. And so here's what I want us to be intentional about in 2024. If the church is truly is the hope of the world. And if, and, and, if, and if the church eventually, if God gave leaders to the church to build the church and to develop maturity so that the church could begin to build the church, here's what I want to make sure that we do together in 2024. Here's what we're going to do. We talked last week all about what we're going to be, but here's what I want to make sure that we do together in 2024. I want you, what I want you to do is I want you to build the church. I want you to build the church. Matter of fact, wherever you are, let's say this together on the count of three, ready? One, two, three, build the church. Now, we're not talking about building a physical building, although we're gonna talk about that a little bit in the days and the weeks to come. We're not talking about building a physical building because the church is more than a building. The church is a people. The church is a gathering. The church is an assembly of people gathering together to move in a certain direction. That's why we called it movement from the very beginning because the church is not just a building. The church, When a church has a building, it's great. We don't got one yet. We're all about the people of God, the people who are gathering together to move in a common direction. We're going to build that this year. That's what I want to encourage you to do. I hope you'll decide to be the men and women who have benefited from the church, whose faith and life have grown and matured. And out of that growing maturity, never having fully arrived, by the way, I'm 40. I've been a part of the church my entire life. I believe that I've still got a ways to grow in maturity. I believe no matter how far we grow, we've still got a ways to go. But by the way, out of that growing faith and growing maturity, that you would turn around 
and fully engage in the building and strengthening of this church, of Movement Church, so that we can continue to be the church that God has called us to be, stronger than ever before and more equipped and more ready to step up for a world that desperately needs a church to step up so that we can be salt and light that God has called us to be in Las Cruces in 2024, so that we can be the hope of the world for our neighbors in need of hope, so we can display Jesus with excellence to our neighbors who do the closest they'll get to seeing Jesus is to see us. That is what I want you to do in 2024. Does that sound to you like something that would be worth doing? I hope it sounds to you like something that would be worth doing for every single one of us to step up in whatever way we can, with whatever maturity we have, with whatever gifts we have, whatever talents we have, whatever ability we have, to step up and build the church. I think, I think it sounds like something worth doing. And since it's worth doing, I want to make sure that we do it well. And to do it well, there's four habits that I want to encourage you to do on a regular basis that will help us do the building of the church. Number one, the first habit is I want you to connect in a small group. I want you to connect in a small group. Next week is going to be our small group launch Sunday for the first season of small groups in 2024. In Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 23, the author of Hebrews wrote this, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let's hold tightly. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The author of Hebrews says, let's hold tightly to, the, to, to our faith, believe, like, to, to the faith that we affirm, to the hope that we affirm. God can be trusted to keep his promise. And if we're going to hold tightly, he draws this, this, this deep connection. Let's find ways to motivate one another. Let's encourage one another. Let's keep doing good works together. Let's encourage one another. Let's not give up a meeting together. Like that, There's an idea of life together that builds and continues to grow our faith and builds and grows the faith of those who are just coming to new faith in Jesus Christ. That we grow together and we help others grow when we gather together in smaller groups. That what happens in a Sunday on a, on a, in a service, what happens in rows, it gets better and stronger in circles. And so I wanna encourage you, whatever it could look like for you, maybe it's leading a small group, maybe it's some of you stepping up with the maturity, with the growth that God has brought about in your life and stepping forward to to build the church by starting a new small group. For some of you, it's time you've been hanging around a lot. You've been on sun, in Sunday mornings a lot, but you've never taken the step to get connected in a small group. For those of you who are online, you've been watching online for a long and long time. And I'm so glad that you continue to watch online. I'm so glad you continue to engage online. It may be time for you to move beyond online to connecting in community through a Zoom group or through some group that meets in, 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 in person. I'm just telling you what I want you to do that will grow your faith and enable you to continue to build into others is I want you to connect in a small group, to regularly attend a small group. And let me push this, not just sign up for a small group, but actually consistently clear your schedule so that you can be at small group. You make that one of the most important things on your calendar, to regularly connect in a small group because growth happens when we get consistent in a small group. We build the church when we grow and we grow in the context of community. Second habit I want you to get in, engaged with is I want you to give financially. I want you to give financially. Second Corinthians 9, Paul, who wrote to the church in Ephesus, also wrote to the church in Corinth. And here's what he said in 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 7. He says, you must each decide in your heart 
how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And I love how he closes this out. He says, as a result of your ministry, as a result of your generosity, people will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. I love how Paul puts this. You must each decide how much. You must each decide how much. But his assumption is that everyone will give something. He says, so you decide how much. But everyone should give something. You decide, like, you know, don't, and he says, don't give reluctantly. Don't give in response to pressure. This is not a pressure message. This is an invitation to join in the building of the church because generosity is one of the key ways that we build the church. This is how this works. That's the way our church moves from mobile to a home building of our own. This is one of the key things that we had in 2023. Some of you, you were, you were so generous. You, it, By the way, we haven't talked about this yet. Our home for Christmas offering. As a church, you guys gave about $8,500 toward the establishment of a future permanent building for Movement Church. That's fantastic. That's amazing. That's So we, we, we now have over $55,000 that's in the bank dedicated toward the future permanent home. One of the things that, are, that, are, that our banks and the lenders want to see before we before they you know move up the level the, the amount that we that we can that we can lend that they'll lend us is they want to see a little bit more consistency in our monthly giving. They want to see the level of that rise and rise consistently. Last year we had some months that were really good and some months that were a little bit small and some months that were really good. It was a little bit of a roller coaster, okay? And I just want to encourage us, we can choose as we talked last week being consistent, we can also choose to give generously consistently. This is how we go from as we give generously. That's how we go from mobile to a permanent location. So if you're a giver, I just I really do want to say that, again, this is not a pressure thing. This is an invitation to to move us forward. This is an invitation to step in and, and, and build the church through financial generosity. So if you're a giver, like seriously, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your consistency. Thank you for out of what you're doing and out of what you're earning that you make the conscious decision to give. If you're sitting on the sideline of generosity and you're participating in the church without giving to the church, this is your invitation. Again, without any pressure, this is your invitation to decide in your heart how much, along with the challenge that you should give something. Okay, this is the, the invitation to follow the words of Paul. Decide in your heart how much. No pressure on how much. But I want to challenge you that if you're part of our church, if you're connected to our church, you should be giving something on a regular basis because we don't give reluctantly. We don't give out of pressure, but we do give because God gave so generously to us and our generosity works to build and empower and fund the local church and to free our church to prepare for whatever the future may look like and whatever God calls us to be and do throughout the year and the years to come. The third habit is I want to encourage you all to serve in some way. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 11, Paul wrote this. He said, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Then he says this, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. 
Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. And then he says this, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to use whatever God has given you, whether that's talents and ability, if it's time, if it's kindness, if it's teaching ability, if it's an open home, if it's an early morning personality who's chipper and alert and kind in the morning, and you feel like one of the best things that you could do would take that morning personality that's chipper and alert and kind in the morning and actually use it to welcome people to church, to stand outside the doors while it's cold, when it's really nice in the spring, when it's really, really gigantically hot in the summer, and when it's really nice in the fall, to take that early morning person personality and warmly welcome people to church on a Sunday morning. Or if it's like, hey, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't know what, uh, what talents and abilities I have, but I love being around kids. And I would love the opportunity to lead kids to Jesus. For some of you, it's time to take the step of, of taking some of your time and investing in our kids ministry or investing in little movers to help people and help young people at the most important stage of their lives to get to know Jesus and place an anchor that people, that young children and that growing children and that teenagers won't drift quickly from because there's a person who loved them and cared for them and showed them Jesus. It could be a lot of different things, but whatever your talents, whatever your ability, whatever your time is, I want to encourage you in 2024, let's build the church through serving. Let's build the church through serving in our community. Let's build the church through, through knowing the needs of our community and being able to meet them well. Let's, ser let's, serve the, the, let's serve the church and build the church by making sure Sunday morning is a place of excellence because, because we put our heart and soul into it and we bring whatever gifts we have with, due, with all diligence. We work hard. We're not lazy, but we serve the Lord enthusiastically with our hard work and our time and our effort and whatever gifts he's given us, we return to him through our service. Let's serve to build the church in 2024. And then one more habit. Habit number four is I want you to invite. If you want to build the church in 2024, I want to encourage you to invite. And let me put another word on this. I want you to invite boldly. I want you to invite boldly in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So here's the thing. Those of us who have accepted the invitation that God has extended to us, we have an obligation and a responsibility to extend the invitation to others who haven't come to Jesus yet. All right? So the best way to extend that invitation is to build your influence with those around you and then extend an invitation to take a step toward Jesus through the local church. You build influence and you invite. You build influence, and you invite. In, in, in our world, we, we do not need to go and find someone who doesn't know Jesus. We're surrounded by people who have disconnected from the church, who have walked away from the church, who have maybe a little bit walked away from their connection with God that happens through a local church. And our job is not to condemn and not to judge for what has happened, but to, our job is to simply extend the invitation to come back home to come back to a relationship with God that begins and grows in a local church. And I hope that you'll do that this year. So the four, the four habits, I wanna encourage you to connect in a small group. I wanna encourage you to give financially. 
I want to encourage you to serve in a way that helps build the church. And I want you to invite people who have disconnected from the church and who have maybe disconnected from God. I want you to invite them so that they know they can come back. And if we'll do those four things consistently, if we'll make those four things habits, I'm just telling you this year, we're going to build the church. We're going to build the church. And here's the thought I want to leave with you. As, as we talk about building the church in 2024, what I'm ultimately asking you to do in 2024 is that I want you to do for someone else's faith and future what someone else did for your faith and your future. I want you to do for someone else's faith and future what someone else did for your faith and your future. See, what I know about you and what I know about my faith, what I know about your faith, what I know about the faith of, of, of pretty much everyone that I've ever met is that very few of us ever come to faith on our own. I mean, it's a minuscule amount of people that ever just spontaneously come to faith. We all come to faith because of what someone else did for us. Someone gave financially so a church could be planted and campus missionaries could be fully funded and you could go to a campground where your life was changed. You, you, you maybe grew up in a church where you were part of a Sunday school class and that church building existed because years and years and years before you were ever around, someone gave the money to build that church. I'm asking you to give financially so that someone who you may never know and you may never need, but maybe it's your children and maybe it's your loved ones, maybe it's your neighbors, that they come to know Jesus in an environment that exists because you gave, because you gave generously. Someone gave financially. Someone served. Like they kept showing up. They kept leading a class. They kept showing up and leading you, uh, leading a small group in your youth ministry. They kept leading a class where they opened the scriptures in a way that planted God's word in your heart. Someone was patient with you while you were being a punk. Like someone served in a way that was continual and they were a constant presence. Someone served and because of their service, you got to see and you got to know and you got to experience Jesus. Some of you, you don't even think about this person. You may not have ever known their name. You showed up to a youth ministry. You showed up to a kid's ministry and it was clean. There was someone who cleaned, someone who, who continuously served in a way that the place was inviting for you to show up because it was clean. And they served and they helped you to know Jesus by, without you ever knowing their name. Someone served. Someone gave financially. Someone served. Someone decided to connect with you in a group. Like while you were a consumer of community, someone else decided that they were going to build it for you and they opened their house to you and they were going to pursue a relationship with you. They served and they connected for you so that someday you could grow in maturity and go and connect with someone else. You, they connected, they helped you connect in a small group so that you could grow, so that you could know that you belong. And it's time for you to turn around and do that for someone else. Someone invited you. I mean, someone extended an invitation to a church or to a small group or to a Bible study where your life was changed forever because you found Jesus there and you started to explore Jesus there and you started to discover Jesus there and you found that the Jesus that you were discovering was nothing like you had heard and nothing like you had been told and nothing like you had believed, but he could actually be the Lord and Savior of your life who would change your life with his love and his grace and his truth. I want you to do for someone else, for someone else's faith and future, what someone else did for your faith and your future. I want you and I want us together to build the church in 2024. And if we'll do that, God will do far more through us 
even than he does in us as we decide to be the people that he's called us to be and do what he has asked us to do and build the church. Let's do it together in 2024. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are and what you have for us. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for us because of your incredible love for us. And God, thank you that the church that formed, the church that he began, the church that he started, God, I thank you that it still exists today and it's still the hope of the world 2,000 years after he left this world. So God, I thank you for the call to be the church. I thank you for the call to do the building of the church. And God, I pray in 2024 that we at Movement Church would get it right in our generation, in our city, in our world, in our time where you have planted us. God, I pray that we would do church right and that we would build the church so the church is ready to be the church for the, for the world so that the world can see you, know you, love you, connect with you, and be brought to maturity in you and turn around and do it all over again. So God, I pray that you'd give us wisdom to know what we're supposed to do. God, give us courage to step into what we're supposed to do and help us this year to do it well. Help us to connect in groups and grow in community. Help us to give financially so that the church can be established and fully funded to do whatever you call us to do in our city and in our world. God, would you help us to be people who serve and give of our gifts and talents and abilities? And would you help us to be people who, have, who boldly invite and boldly accept the, extend the invitation to anyone who needs it, to know that they can come back to a healthy and loving relationship with you. Help us to do that all well, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.